God, open our ears to hear you and your word today. Open our minds to understand what it is you have to say to us this morning. Open our hands so that we might be prepared to receive what you have to give us and that we may use it to serve the world. And open our hearts to be filled with your love and your spirit. May the words of my lips and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. Amen. The very first movie that I ever saw in a movie theater was the movie Aladdin. I was four years old, and I remember what it was like to walk into this big giant theater with a big giant bucket of popcorn and to sit in a big giant seat that felt like it was going to snap closed at any moment and experiencing the bright pictures and the loud sounds for the very first time. In the movie, the genie grants Aladdin three wishes, anything he wants with a few exceptions. The world is at Aladdin's fingertips. He can be rich, he can be king, he can be the smartest, strongest man in the world if he wants to be. All he has to do is say it, and it will happen. But while Aladdin is trying to figure out what to wish for, he asks the genie, well, what would you wish? And the genie is floored and shocked by this question because no one has ever asked this of him before. This brief moment of kindness and connection from Aladdin changes the relationship. Instead of Aladdin being the genie's master, they become friends. Aladdin chooses his relationship with the genie over the opportunity for power. If you're anything like me, I bet you have also wondered what it would be that you would wish for, and I bet your answers, like mine, have changed over the years. As children, maybe you wanted to be a prince or princess or a superhero. As teenagers, maybe we wanted to be the smartest in our class or the best athlete on the sports team. As adults, we may wish to be able to snap our fingers and have an instantly clean house or for our dream job to become our real job, but still pay enough so that we can pay all of our bills. We all have big, huge dreams and wishes over the course of our life, the things that we want to aspire to or accomplish. And sometimes these dreams come true, and sometimes they don't. And sometimes they lead to things that we never would have expected. The bulk of our passage today starts out in chapter 3 with telling us that Solomon loved God and that he followed God in the way his father David taught him. He goes to a sacred place to make a sacrifice, and while he is there, he has a dream. Now, there are only 21 stories about dreams in the entire Bible, the Old and the New Testament. So when dreams show up and we get to read about them, we should pay attention. Dreams like Jacob had when he saw the ladder ascending to heaven in Genesis 28, or in Genesis 37 when Joseph dreams and makes his brother really angry, but then he also interprets the dreams of the Pharaoh. When the Magi have a dream telling them not to return to Herod after visiting the Christ child, but to go home a different way. Dreams usually include warnings or promises or a prediction about something about to happen. But this dream, 
Solomon's dream is a little bit different. In this dream, God asks Solomon a question and provides him with an opportunity. Ask what I should give you, says God. Solomon responds by acknowledging the past and thanking God for the relationship God had with David. He speaks about the present moment and that he is now the one sitting on the throne. And then Solomon shares his own anxieties and fears about this new role and the challenges he knows that he will face and how he will lead people under his rule. In these verses, verses six through eight, Solomon shares vulnerable and personal things, but the main focus from this young new king is focusing on relationships. He focuses on the relationship between his now deceased father and God, and he shifts to mention his own relationship with God, and then he focuses on his relationship with God's chosen people, the people he is meant to lead. He also mentions God's great and steadfast love twice in these three verses. The word for steadfast love in Hebrew is hesed. Even our English translation of this word doesn't begin to describe the power and the importance that it has for our siblings who are Jewish. In the Old Testament, we see this word appear when Moses goes up to the mountain to be with God, and God proclaims that the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We see it quite often when describing the type of covenantal love that God has promised to the people of God throughout time and history. But we also see examples of this deep kind of love between people in the Bible. In the book of Ruth, the relationship between the young woman and her mother-in-law, Naomi, is another example of hesed. It is a kind of love that we are called, as Christ's followers, to share with each other, a love that knows no boundaries and has no end. Solomon knows that this relationship that God shared with his father, David, is something that was vital to David's leadership and David's relationship with God and something that needs to be brought along in this new season of leadership and transition. Solomon also focuses on the fact that he has been tasked to be a leader when he himself is still a little child who does not know how to go out and come in. Now Solomon was not actually a child when he took the throne, he was probably in his 20s, but becoming king to a large group of people is no small task. And I can imagine it would be fairly intimidating for him. Not to mention he had big shoes to fill coming in after his father, the shepherd boy who fought a giant, wrote beautiful psalms and also caused his own fair share of chaos along the way. The fact that Solomon essentially confesses to God in this dream that he has no idea what he is doing takes a lot of courage and dare I say a lot of wisdom. Solomon ends his confession by sharing that he knows this is a big task. He knows it's not going to be an easy journey, but he is also focused on the fact that he isn't just leading a random group of people, but he is leading the people that God has chosen and that they are large in number. He is focused on this relationship between himself as the king and God's people. When we get to verse nine, Solomon finally reveals what it is he wants. Of all the things he could ask for in the entire world, he asks for an understanding mind. At least that's how we translate it in English. 
Various commentaries suggest that a more accurate translation for these words instead of an understanding mind would be a listening heart. Back in these times, people did not fully understand how our bodies work like we do today. They knew that our brains were important, but they didn't know how critical it was to the body's overall functioning. For them, the heart was the central and most important part of the body. Many things that we know today that the brain can do, they assumed the heart took care of. When we understand that this was what they knew to be true, then the term a listening heart has a different kind of power and meaning. Solomon is asking God to give him the ability to listen and discern with incredible discernment and wisdom, to know how to govern and lead, how to figure out the difference between good and evil. And Solomon wants to do this with the most important and central part of his being, not just the place where he can connect with the people he's leading, but where he connects with the God that he worships, the God that offers steadfast love. He's asking for wisdom. And the ironic thing is that by Solomon asking for wisdom, he is already showing how wise he truly is. Solomon understands the enormous responsibility he has, and he asks for a gift of character that will benefit his people. And so God responds to Solomon's request by granting him exactly what he asked for, an understanding mind, a listening heart, and a wise discerning mind unlike the world has ever seen or will ever see again. What would you ask for? Imagine you were in Solomon's shoes and you had the same opportunity that he did. What is it that you would ask for? Like Solomon, this congregation finds itself at an opportune moment. While the pandemic is not necessarily over, this church finds yourself in a position to move into this next phase and chapter of your story with so many choices ahead of you. You may find yourself standing with God and knowing that there are things you want to bring into this chapter that are valuable and important from where you have come from. Solomon didn't talk to God and say, well, my father's now dead and he messed up so many times that we just need to forget everything he said and everything he did and start over from scratch. Instead, Solomon acknowledged the things that had deep meaning and importance while David was king and in David's relationship with God. And I imagine that Solomon got to witness this relationship between David and God, even in the midst of all of the mistakes that David made. And Solomon knows that this is something that deserves to be brought along in this new chapter with him as king. Like Solomon, this congregation may not exactly know how to go out and come in. The world is different now than it was two weeks ago, six months ago, two years ago. We don't really know what to expect. But through my conversations with you this weekend and with the search committee over the past few months, it is clear that while there are rituals and traditions and core values that are crucial to who you are as a community of faith, you are also willing and open to listen to where God is calling you next. You are ready and excited to be led by God as you go out and to journey with God as you come back in. You know that there are possibilities and opportunities ahead ones that might be so numerous that they cannot be counted or numbered, but you aren't afraid to see where they lead you. 
You, like Solomon, have asked God to give you listening hearts and understanding minds. You have asked for wisdom and for discernment as you follow God into this next season of life and ministry at First Baptist. You share hesed, steadfast love, not just with the community that gathers in this space and in this building, but with the wider community around you. You know and value the importance of relationships with each other, but also the importance and value of relationships that God has called you to love. And so you are like Aladdin, and you have turned the question around and asked God, God, what would you wish for? And while we may not have all of the answers yet, and we may not know which way to go out and to come in, we do know that the same God who loves Solomon through all of his moments of honor and disgrace, big dreams and big faults, and foolishness and wisdom, that same God loves us through all of our dreams and faults and honors and disgraces and foolishness and wisdom. I'm sure that we will experience all of these together as we continue to listen to the voice of God, discern the places God is calling us, and allow our decisions to be made through the lens of wisdom and steadfast love. May we always remember to use our understanding minds and listening hearts as we journey together into this new world and all it has to offer. May it be so. Amen.